0: On this Spielman and Hooley we tackle right, life I don't have podcast. Any
1: with these guys getting bonuses. I, I I do think though that the more that these bonuses are out there and exposed, um, these guys did not earn these bonuses on their own. They got a lot of help from the players. And where does
0: that help yeah. come from? See, this is a hard case to make that you can't afford to pay the players. Exactly. When you give, I mean, when you give the assistant coaches. Three million person bonuses. That's my issue. That's my issue. You think that's a hard case? Yeah, yeah, it's a hard case to make. And uh, I should have made a new open. I didn't. No, you're not listening to the same podcast you listened to on uh, Wednesday. This is new. Uh, Speaking of hard cases to make, it's hard case to make how our basketball team got to number two in the country, Uh, given what we watched last night against Minnesota, Mr. Spielman. Good morning. It's bright and early, man. We are we are up and at them. At six thirty in the a.m. here uh, on a rainy day, roads okay, everything good. Yeah,
1: I'm just glad I wasn't. The Ohio State game started at six thirty last night. And yeah, Tim Brando.
0: Tim Brando, Timmy B. The veteran, the Timmy veteran B. came oh, in with. Come on, do uh, you bury the lead, Jimmy Jackson? Was yeah, of course. The, uh, yes, I,
1: I, I know. I was just getting ready to say Jimmy was also on the call. No, and... Jimmy's never
0: second to <laughs> Timmy B. Jimmy's never second to anybody.
1: Ah, uh, very frustrating. I thought for sure they were going to win, and the car kid just at the end for Arkansas. Minnesota. Marcus Carr. And a uh, uh, good point guard, right? Cool. Takes control of the game. Drives, penetrates, kicks, yeah. hits big shots. <laughs> Things you like to see out he of a He is
0: a superhero against Ohio State. I had the pleasure last night of sitting next to our former colleague, Matt McCoy, at the yeah. game. At the Matt- zone.
1: The game was another life of yours. Yeah. This was called the zone that we worked at. My name is Chris Spielman, by the way. What did I say? At the- Oh, I thought you were saying another colleague I worked with at the game. Oh. There's, there's radio stations called The Game. The Game, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Is that your Cleveland station, The no, Game? No,
0: no, It was, uh, what was it? ESPN 850, ESPN Cleveland. That's what okay. they went by.
1: All right. and right. I'm sorry. I no, it's okay.
0: It. So anyway, Matt McCoy, our former colleague at The Zone, uh, was there last night, and Matt was sitting next to me, and Matt with a tweet this morning about Marcus Carr. He shoots 63% against Ohio State, 35% against everyone else. He hits fifty-four percent of his threes against Ohio State, thirty-one percent against everybody else. Mm-hmm. He's averaging twenty-eight against the Buckeyes, fifteen against everyone else. He's almost twice the player against the Buckeyes well, that he is against yeah. everyone
1: else. It's just um, he—that's a team he feels confident to play against. And <sighs> I mean, I thought the effort was really good. I, I yeah. thought it was. I yeah, mean, no, they the played hard, good. and and Young played well, and other guys did a pretty good job. But when Caleb Wesson, who you Claim is the best player on the team. I, I haven't seen it yet this year, but he might be. I mean he had some nice passes and some good assists, which are obviously important. Mm-hmm. But if he's only scoring two points and not being a presence inside or even a threat inside to score points, it's it's going to be tough for them to win. And uh
0: one for ten for Caleb West. They're really the struggling. Over three from three point range, including one with about sixteen seconds to go that was wide open on a right wing and Chris Holton said he liked the look. Um Mm-hmm. didn't make it, and Marcus Carr came down. Minnesota, look, uh, Richard Patino, smart decision not to call a timeout, and mm-hmm. here's why it's smart, because Chris Holtman had taken Luther Muhammad and Kyle Young out of the game at right. the timeout to sub offense for defense. So Kyle Young, who led the Buckeyes in scoring was 14, was not in there. And then when Marcus Carr got the rebound... He never passed it. No, he He knew. just held on to it and went to the other end, and he's like, oh, there's DJ Carton. I like being guarded by DJ Carton a lot more than I like being guarded by Luther Muhammad. Right. Let me give a little shimmy shoulder shake here to the left. It's a and beautiful little
1: move, wasn't it?
0: DJ <laughs> Carton <laughs> flying yeah, like a Roman soldier in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, I mean, it was like, what? And he's just wide open for a look. CJ Walker flew at him, but too late. Yeah. Drano, three seconds left, game over.
1: Well, uh, in credit, you know, Luther Muhammad's certainly struggling offensively, but defensively he's their best defensive player. I think he is. Yeah,
0: that's the problem is they got a lot of guys who are, like, half reliable at right. this point in time.
1: I, 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 reliable, I, I would say, that are half skilled. Like, Luther struggles offensively. He's great defensively, right? Yeah. Weston's can pass the ball, but he's not scoring. Uh, C.J. Walker, you don't know what you're going to get. Inconsistent would be, I think, a better word. Yeah, D- yeah Dwayne Washington
0: team. can hit the occasion. You know, he can hit some shots, but he can turn it over like in a mind-numbing way. DJ yeah. Carton, same thing. Can't trust him really with the ball. So a kid who we thought was going to be their point guard comes in, and now he has to play shooting guard. And you're playing small all the time because you got CJ Walker, Dwayne Washington, yeah. and DJ Carton on the floor at the same time.
1: Your big, and biggest tough. offensive threats right now. Yeah. And, I, and you're right, Bruce. It is what it is. And yep. like I said, I, I I think they're an nit team. St- right now. Well, I mean.
0: They're like tw- 12th in the Big Ten. I mean, maybe even worse than that. No,
1: they're re- they they got a chance to get off of it here against Northwestern on, what, Saturday or Sunday?
0: I said, I said in all week in my stories on SI.com that they were 2-5 and five in the Big Ten, but they've got Minnesota at home, at Northwestern, and Indiana at home. Look, you got to protect home court in the Big Ten. Everybody's winning at home in the Big Ten. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah.
1: So you got a chance to
0: get to 500 in the Big Ten, and then, okay, you go to Michigan, maybe you win that one. Michigan's not a great team this year. And instead, now they're 2-6. and I don't count anything, any win for this team, automatic. Northwestern's giving people trouble at home.
1: And um, And they see a a, a wounded Ohio State team, right? So they... (laughs) Ohio yeah. State's saying, okay, we got Northwestern to get healthy. Well, guess what? Northwestern's saying, okay, well, good. We got a great opportunity at home because we got Ohio State coming in. It's not like we have Michigan State coming in. That's like you used to say when the Browns were talking about,
0: oh, we're going to Arizona. <laughs> yeah,
1: Arizona can't wait for you to get there either. <laughs> and
0: that's, they showed why.
1: Isn't that the mindset, though? Yes, of yeah. course. So. I mean,
0: uh, here's Chris Holtman, and just listen to what he says about his basketball team's capabilities. This is a searing assessment. For a team that was at one point in the season ranked number two in the country, I think we. I think in some ways we took uh, we took a step forward in some some areas. We just right now we're just not
1: good enough in enough areas um, uh, to win in this league. Um, we're just we're just not. But I thought I thought our guys competed, battled, played hard. Um,
0: we locked in. Had a few errors that that happened. Um, they
1: kind of get you in this league, um, but. Uh, when we've got to find a way to, Is that you to answer the, the background? Leg, um, yeah. in situations.
0: Not good enough in enough areas to win in this league. I know it's true. Yeah. It's just like, whoa. That's startling of a team that housed Villanova in North Carolina and beat Kentucky. And Carolina's not what Carolina's always been. But you know what? Ohio State's not what it was five weeks ago. No, it's like, ooh. so Man.
1: it's his job to turn around. He gets yeah, it paid, is. gets paid a lot of money yeah, to it turn is. it around, and there's got to be accountability. I mean, and, and I I get coaches' frustration, but he understands what the standard is and what the stakes are, yeah, and is. he's got to get it going. I mean, it's it's up to him, and you get one year like this. Now, there's plenty of time to turn around, and we know, of course, yep. the beautiful thing about basketball: there's three different seasons, right? There's a regular season, there's a conference tournament. And uh, although it's unlikely, and I hope I'm wrong, I very well could be wrong. Uh, there's an NCAA tournament, but I—I I don't. They got work do, to do. I'm, I mean,
0: look, they, if they get to around 500 in the Big Ten, they're going to get in. It's the best deep. It's the deepest basketball. That's yeah, a league very in good country. conference. So if they can get to uh, nine and uh, eleven in the conference. Um, maybe even boy eight and twelve looks bad, but they got a strong non conference thing. They'd probably get in. Um, wouldn't
1: you think they'd have to go a little bit in the tournament? What if they got bumped in the first round of the no, tournament? I
0: wouldn't be good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because you know you're looking that. at it. They might. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> advise that.
1: No, hey, it's okay, boys. You can lay down on the yeah, tournament. Yeah.
0: No. 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 Uh, I, I keep waiting for them to get hot. Yeah. And now it's like. Here, you can't. I mean, if, let's just say if you win the Wisconsin game and the Minnesota game at home, you're four and four in the Big Ten, and you're like, okay, boy, we'd like to be better, but eh, we're four and four, yeah. and we're in the same boat as everybody. We're not winning on the road. All right, everybody's not. Michigan State last night didn't win on the road. To Indiana, it happens. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't,
1: don't even bring up. They're Indiana. back. The tradition, yeah. the time honored code. Yeah, the candy stripes. What do you? I if mean, they're they, back.
0: If they sweep Ohio State this year
1: it's <laughs> just, just, just
0: a basketball game bruce let it go people are out just to torture you so my buddy the other day he's in vegas and uh and he doesn't like going to vegas uh, good christian guy and and me and another buddy from church are trying to you know lift him up and text him and and my one friend uh sends a uh link to a thing you can do in vegas where you go and you you run a tank a, a military tank You get to drive the tank, and you get to drive it over a car, crush a car. You'd love to do that, wouldn't you? And he said, would you like to do that? And I said, only if the car was cream and crimson and had (laughs) IU painted on it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. All right. We'll see. But uh, it's not good. Not good. The highlight of last night's uh, affair was uh, halftime. Ryan Day and many of the Ohio State football Buckeyes at midcourt. Here's Ryan Day talking about the Fiesta Bowl.
1: And again, I want to thank everybody for coming out to Arizona. That
0: game out there in Arizona didn't sit well
1: with any of us. Just want everybody to know in this room right here, that game did not sit well with us. And you have my word, we're not going to forget about that game.
0: They can come back even stronger.
1: What, what, he loaded. said it didn't sit well. Didn't sit it's, it's well. It's never going to sit didn't, well. Didn't sit or... well. He
0: didn't say that. He didn't say I the, said He that. didn't say the Urban, you know.
1: This will never happen, happen
0: again. Uh, not used to this. Not going to get used to this. <laughs> never happen again.
1: There, there wasn't anybody getting walking papers off oh, the air before no. they got nobody, off the airplane. Oh, by got, the way. Uh, here,
0: here's, your, here's your bonus, and here's the number for two men in a truck.
1: <laughs> you got to give it to Urban, though, man.
0: That, hey, i mean seriously dude nothing wrong with that man <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. got a job to do you better do it uh, so yeah uh that's uh i i like that i think you know thing about ryan i've been pretty impressed with his uh leadership um and his uh, awareness of what his team needs i don't think it's a thing where they're going to wallow in their failure i think it's a thing where they're going to use it to drive them and hey they got a good team coming back man i mean they're uh, my questions State. are the se- my questions are the secondary, just because three new guys, and changing coordinator you can't ever you know ignore that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's a problem, but you just can't ignore it. If you're looking like what could go wrong, well, yeah, changing coordinator. Um, it's
1: it's plug and play.
0: I would think, yeah, particularly in the league they're in. It's not like they're in the Big Ten basketball where no, everybody's good.
1: I, no, but. Uh, their there, chief rivals
0: a train wreck.
1: Here's the thing: it's the, the the difference in mentality. And I was watching the teams last night, and I agree with Coach uh, Holtman that the focus was there. I mean, I thought I thought everybody was was given everything they have, right? It, but the difference in mentality between the football team and the basketball team, and this night, just because of the nature of the sport, right? When Ohio State football plays, there is such a sense. Of urgency, and there's a such a high level of performance that we see week yep. in and week out, and the reason is, and again, I think it's also the nature of the sport. If you're not, you're out, because you have another guy that's coming in that's ready to play. Yep, and there's no threat, I guess, to anybody on that floor. Okay, I'm going to suspend Dwayne Washington and Luther Mohammed. And there was no threat to, for uh, for those guys no. to be replaced long-term. No. I mean, so there's almost like you talked about how some people would say that Urban operated with a, a culture of fear. I, I call that a culture of healthy competition. Yeah, a culture of accountability. Yeah, yeah. And, and if and, you're and, not playing, and, you're
0: done. Well, and, you know, it, it extended to the coaches too. Ed Warner, Tim Beck, now get yeah. the job done,
1: boo-bye. Yeah, I mean, and that's – but, it, you know, the other thing with that is – when you come to Ohio State, whether it's you're working for Ryan Day or Urban Meyer uh, or you're playing for whatever coaches, Bill Davis you can throw into that list too, by the way. Yep. Um, I, I think for for me, you understand what you're coming into and you know the rules that you sign up to play by. And they, they are coached hard. They're, they're relentless in the competition that they create throughout that building. And, you know, Urban was talking about, one of his big thing was creating competition 24-7, uh, 365 days a year. You know, I don't know if that's the case in basketball, and I don't know if you can do that in basketball because you just don't have enough enough guys. But there's kind of a little bit of a tease. I know you want to get to the coaching thing here. Yeah, we'll get to it. it. Yeah, I just, uh, I, but I just wanted to tell you that that's how, at that level, how coaching is uh, one philosophy, I guess, of coaching mm-hmm. that has proven to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You need more players in football because you got more guys out there. Uh, you got more scholarships. La 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 la. But it does seem football's plug and play. The expectations of football. That's why the Fiesta Bowl was so searing. It's like, wait a minute, Ohio State doesn't lose games like that. Yeah, Ohio State doesn't go I for three in a red zone. Ohio State doesn't. Uh, Ohio State. You know, a lot of people. Oh, Ohio State doesn't get bad calls. The worst call they've ever gotten. Yeah, true. But maybe the reason you don't get bad calls is because you're not in a position where a bad call can beat you very often. That's true. You're knocking it into the red zone. You're not roughing the punter. You know, you're not targeting.
1: Or you're not giving up a long drive. Yeah, with, you know, you're not giving a up a
0: four-play, 96-yard yeah. drive. I mean, you know, that's part of it, too, is Ohio State isn't very often in a position where if they get a bad call, it means the difference between victory and
1: defeat. So, I, you know, although Ohio State had such a great year, Big Ten champions, uh, a lot of things accomplished – I can almost guarantee you that every player and every coach in that building feels like it was a disappointment because they knew they were a legitimate national champion contender. They knew legitimate, how good they, were. they yeah. knew how good they were. Yeah. It's the they last time I felt like that it.
0: about basketball was when they had Sollinger, Buford, Diebler, and they lost to Kentucky. And you're yeah. like, dang, we get by that one. That's the we're that we're good enough to win it all." Yeah, they were good yeah. enough to win it all. That year in basketball and definitely this year in football. Although LSU would have been a, t- a tall mountain to climb, I, uh, but I would like to have seen how it would have had transfer. Yeah, I,
1: I I, mean, I think it would have been a much better game than it was against okay. uh, Clemson. and And I don't think, like, Joe would have had as many opportunities to make as many big plays as Joe was able to make against Clemson simply because of the type of defense that Clemson was playing. They did the old, we're going to be, our man's going to be better than your man. And and Joe starts dropping dimes in the bucket. I think uh, Jeff Halfley and crew, former defense coordinator, now head coach at Boston College, I think they would have made him go the long way. Yes. You know, and forced them to make plays. and not try to keep everything in front of you, as opposed to playing press man coverage all the time and number one takes off down the field and just throw it up there, Joe. And Joe would have had more yards and more touchdowns if LSU receivers didn't drop the ball.
0: Yeah, he's something else, man. Draft him, Bengals. Draft him. Don't even think about it.
1: You asked, uh, it's interesting I see on your little rundown there, which OSU player is going to be the NFL best player? Best player
0: in the NFL out of this class. Coming up? K.J. Hill would not have been on our list until his week at the Senior Bowl, where yesterday he was voted best wide receiver on the North by the DBs he's been going against in practice. That's he's a, been lighting it up.
1: Uh, that's a credit to K.J. And, you know, another guy that shined down at the Senior Bowl, I believe last year, was Terry McLaurin. Yes. And and K.J. is has been reliable. He's smart. He's been well coached uh, at his whole career at Ohio State. And the most impressive thing, if anybody follows Twitter or follows these type of things for a living like Bruce and I do, you can see the one-handed catches that he's making and, and the, uh, the ability to run routes. And he's such a tough cover. And K.J. Hill is the epitome of what they call a slot receiver, a very difficult matchup for, for safeties and linebackers. And we see everybody, including in college, take advantage of that position. So those guys are coveted. They're hard to find. And the good thing is, usually they don't cost you a lot of money. They're not a Julio Jones or don't. an Odell Beckham or Landry or that type of guy. He's
0: probably going to be there. It's a specialized position. He's probably going to be there in a the third round, like Terry McLaurin was there in a the third round, like Mike Thomas was there in a the second round. And some of – this just hit me. Like, some of the the hidden potential of Ohio State football players as NFL players, because there's so much depth, I mean, you got to share time at wide receiver. You know – I can't tell you with certainty that Austin Mack won't be a star in the NFL because he had to share so much time here. KJ Hill had to share so much time here. Did anybody think Mike Thomas? Ben Victor. Ben. Anybody think Mike (laughs) Thomas would catch as many more passes than anybody in NFL? Why? Because he's got Evan Spencer and he's got this guy and he's got that guy, and they're all good enough to play. And so you play them, and they don't get the run that they get. I mean, if one of those guys was at Wisconsin, they'd be throwing it to him all the time.
1: Yeah. I never thought, and I was completely wrong on Mike Thomas. I thought he'd be a a good, solid, dependable wide receiver in the National Football League. I didn't know he would turn into a top three guy. I was completely wrong on Mike Thomas, and good for him. I'm glad when I'm wrong like that, I'm happy I'm wrong because I want everybody to succeed. I want everybody to have great success. And it's interesting um, I had a chance to really watch Terry McLaurin because I did the Redskins at the end of the year because we got stuck in that NFC East mm-hmm. because of the playoff battle for the Eagles and how bad it was, uh, or how the teams were fighting down there till the end. And I watched Terry McLaurin in practice, and Bruce, his practice habits are off the charts. And Terry McLaurin's success only helps KJ Hill. Yeah, it only helps KJ Hill. And from all, I I don't know KJ, but I'm assuming he's like everybody else. Everything I hear about him is that he's a great kid and a yeah, good strong solid. Guy. guy, yeah, absolutely. And so it's it, I'm I'm really happy for him and that he's had a strong Senior Bowl, and good for KJ because uh, uh, he solidified his opportunity for a future in the NFL by his performance down at the Senior Bowl.
0: Well, there's 31 teams asking themselves now, why don't we pick Mike Thomas? You know, the Browns pick Corey Coleman. 15th that year first wide receiver off the board out of baylor mike thomas went in the second round to the saints i think he was the fifth or sixth wide receiver taken so okay so they well we missed on that whoa wait a second now there's terry mclaurin how do we miss on him at that point in time you start to go maybe there's a little something about these ohio state wide receivers and the way they're coached and the way they adapt and the way they're ready for the nfl that we better pay attention to so i think it definitely helps kj hill and And you know the other thing and victor
1: you know the other thing they don't have that a lot of these guys have just by nature. Again, I'm going back to the nature of the sport or the nature of the position. Is what's the most diva-like position in football? Wide receiver. We see it's wide receiver, yes, right? It is. Well, these guys, and this is a credit to uh, this. This current crop, right? It's a credit to to Brian Hartline, to, to Zach Smith, to Urban Meyer, to uh, Tom Herman, to anybody else that's yeah, had it, Kevin, and, Wilson. And Kevin Wilson, Kevin Wilson that's had an impact on these guys and coaching them. They are team guys, all of them. And it just, to me, it's such a rare group that this Ohio State wide receiver combination has been. The very first game, I don't know if you remember this tweet, I sent out a tweet after the very first game, and I said it's almost unfair at the the wide receivers against college defensive backs with the amount of depth and talent Mm -hmm. that they have at this position. And I'm just excited for these guys. You know, this is the most miserable time of year for me. First of all, it's the championship game. Championship Sunday was last Sunday. And I'm just angry and ticked off and just uh, uh, green with envy, which maybe spiritually I can address. Then it's the Super Bowl. Then that's even worse. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I hate watching it. I hate the party. I hate the food because because I didn't play in it, and I hate it. And it and I can't let it go. It's a sickness. It's an obsession. It's something that I watch ID Discovery a lot. You know they have all these names like Evil Beside Me or something, or Evil Lives Inside. That's it. It's just so depressing for me. But what I do get excited about is the combine, and is the draft, because I know that these guys are going to have a chance that I had and that they're in a chance to live a dream. So I know how excited these guys are, and I'm just as excited for them. And I would love it when Ohio State guys were able to do things down at the Senior Bowl, and it's a credit to everybody involved, including the coaches and, and the head coach and the whole system that they have going on over there in Buckeye Land.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about with the retirement of Eli Manning today yes uh, here's a here's an interesting stat. Peyton and Eli Manning are the only quarterbacks drafted number one since 1990 to win a Super Bowl. Wow. a lot of quarterbacks taken at the top a lot of guys who are number one to the overall. Campus, number one overall yes, only four quarterbacks taken since 1980. Have won Super Bowls. That is forty years. Mm-hmm. Four and forty years. Do the math. One a decade. Right. So uh the other two are John Elway and Troy Aikman. I know you played against Troy. Did you play against Elway?
1: Um I might have. I think one one time I played against okay. him. Yeah. One or two times I might have played against him. Yeah, because Elway, I think, left in ninety seven. Yeah. All of them uh, all four
0: of those guys won two or more. Well, Aikman won three. I think Elway won two. I mean, the percentage, both Mannings won two.
1: Here's the dilemma, right? The percentage to say you don't need to take one number one overall, but you also know that you need one (laughs) one. to give yourself any chance. More
0: than you need anything else. Yeah,
1: it's it's crazy, isn't it? And it just goes to show you the the difficulty of the position Mm -hmm. and the difficulty in evaluating a transition from a college quarterback to an NFL quarterback, I mean, it's the most difficult thing to do. It'd be in, I we did. You like to study, or it would be interesting to, to see um, all all the first round draft picks. You know what the regular season record is. Another interesting thing in regards to Eli Manning, and I believe I said it on our podcast. Eli Manning's overall record, Bruce, is one seventeen and one seventeen. Did you know that I did? You said and, that on the other, yeah. you
0: said that the other day, and I listened closely to everything you say. Not
1: really, but anyway, he, but he's <laughs> two Super Bowls huh? and in a Super Bowl, both times he was named MVP.
0: Both times he beat so Tom Brady.
1: Everybody wants to know the definition of Eli Manning. To me, is yes, he was a regular season mediocre quarterback. That's his, he, he is who his record says he is. Yep. But when he got his opportunity, the definition of Eli Manning. At the very biggest game, he played the biggest he's ever played in his career, and that's why I think Eli Manning has a a successful uh, career. I think numbers might match up. I do think he'll be a Hall of Famer, in in my opinion. And the one thing I always look at, though, man, when the the game is the biggest, who's going to rise and who's going to shrink? And both times when Eli Manning got the opportunity, he rose. You know, the –
0: Throw to David Tyree gets a ton of run. It's kind of the signature play of Eli Manning. The other career. throw was better. I was just gonna say that oh. the throw to Manningham in the next Super Bowl, the next one that he won, the one on
1: the sidelines. Oh,
0: what a throw that was! I mean, just you talk about dropping it in the bucket. Yeah,
1: I've got about ten throws that I have in in my computer-like brain mm-hmm. that are are just mind-boggling, and that was certainly one of them and that's why the position i have greater respect as an analyst for the position of quarterback than i did as a player isn't that crazy because i actually sit there and as a player i studied the whole offense well now i have more time i look at the quarterback and i see some of the throws that these guys make or where they put the football and uh, a throw that Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz made this year against the Redskins was off the chart. I couldn't even believe it when I saw it. Like, how can somebody on the run mm-hmm. from 25 yards away throw it to a spot in the back corner of the end zone through a maze of hands and outstretched hands and a guy catch the ball? That's why um, I always say the most important physical attribute I love is a, is – Accuracy. accuracy yeah. I remember in a Monday night game, we playing with Aikman, against Aikman, and a guy named Jay Novacek, and my job was to cover Novacek, who was a very difficult cover because he just was a good route runner and he had all this shake. Three times during that game, three times, the ball went off of my fingertips oh. right into the waiting hands of Jay Novacek. Oh. And three times, the ball was caught. And, th- and that's when I said to myself, how can a guy – do this every single time and be this good to understand where to put that ball. It's just amazing to me the skill level and talent of good quarterbacks. That's why I understand the stats that you gave, but I also understand when I have a guy that's throwing the ball like Joe Burrow is and how much he's improved his accuracy from his redshirt junior year to his redshirt senior year, you got to take him. You can't pass up on him. There's no way you pass up on him if you're the Bengals.
0: Uh, there is one quarterback in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who is sub five hundred for his career. Dan Marino. No, sir. Okay, wait. What? What decade? Uh sixties and seventies, mostly seventies.
1: Oh boy, I should know this. Uh, don't tell me. I'm going to think about it. Okay. All right. Can I can give me. you a hint. All right, that give me. I might hint.
0: give it to you. Um. He's probably in off. Uh, one game in his career.
1: Hmm. 60s? It's
0: one of the games in the pantheon of the NFL. If you are going to list the top five most significant games in NFL history. I, of
1: course, to. know what pantheon means, but I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that have no idea what pantheon <laughs> You means. know, like the,
0: the Hall of Fame. It's just another name for, like, the Hall of Fame. The pantheon of NFL games. Top five games in NFL. Uber Alice. Uber Alice. <laughs> football Uber Alice. <laughs> Shout out to our guy, Mark Carpenter. I don't know if Mark even listens. Back from the fan days, the old football Uber Alice days. Andy Geiger came up with that. Who uh, is it?
1: Just to tell me who it is.
0: White Shoes. I'll give you a White Shoes. One more hint. Namath? Joe Namath. Under five hundred for his career.
1: Oh, that's because of
0: the... Uh... The Super Bowl against the Colts. Yeah. A guarantee, supposed guarantee. More interceptions than touchdowns in his career.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah, he was he was the... Uh,
0: but he's a he's a figure in NFL history. Absolutely. Where you go, a transformative figure in that AFL-NFL merger. And if you're too young to remember Joe Namath and all that, go back and read about him because he was a transformative guy. You know what? There's
1: a, a great show on A&E, and I just am um, in the middle of this series called Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Mad Men is about Madison Avenue and yeah. advertising agencies. And there's this, a portion within that series about how they're trying to get Joe Namath to uh, be like a spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys says, athletes don't sell anything, right? Mm. Well, you think about Joe Namath, and he, everybody that's has, has ever had an endorsement. And I, I know I get Mickey Mantle and you're all right. that, but no, from, you're from right. a football player, from a football point of view, from a football player, Joe Namath made that possible. And Joe Namath lived to that Broadway Joe, Broadway character, Joe. didn't he? Yeah. I mean, the mink coats and the yeah. the girls and yeah. whatever. But yeah. I Hollywood mean, he was. Yeah. I, I would say this as far as the importance of growing the NFL, Joe Namath deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just from that. Yeah. Of, of putting the NFL on the map. And would it, you know, a kid from Alabama? No, well, he's, he's from, from Beaver Falls, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Going to Alabama, to Alabama. I mean, what a life that guy's had. Now he's doing commercials for some old people thing. But uh, he's—I <laughs> mean—he still looks pretty good. I just he saw him on a commercial today. Said Joe still looks pretty good. Yeah, only if he didn't try to kiss Susie Colbert. Yeah. That, that, well,
0: he's—he had his alcohol issues, and he's conquered yeah. those. And uh, he yeah. was still—he
1: went back to Broadway, Joe. Broadway, Joe. He went he did, back. And he moment. dropped some lines when he did it.
0: I want to kiss you. Yeah, he, he did. It's Broadway Joe. Yeah. I
1: got to give him a little credit. A little I mean, bit. <laughs> That's right. He did.
0: He's like looking He's looking at Susie Colbert, and he's like, ah, I remember when Mamie Van Doren was on my arm. I mean, I still got it. Let me give me a shot here with Susie. Uh, review the podcast for us, please. We appreciate it very much when you do. Uh, this one comes from uh, Martin, and his headline is Get Better Each Day. He says, this has replaced my favorite podcast. Bruce and Chris are great. Sports media long ago became the place for contrived arguments, drama. I don't care if one of the Kardashians is dating an ex-boyfriend of some real Housewives bimbo. And talking heads trying too hard to be funny. You guys are actually funny and no sports. Imagine that. You're both rare breeds in Columbus. OSU fans who are balanced in your coverage of the Buckeyes. There's a lot of over-the-top Buckeye homers in the media here. Uh, one request. Some Blue Jackets talk. I don't know, man. I don't want to get over my skis on the Blue Jackets. So we'll try, Martin. But um, Jackets are on a hot streak.
1: There aren't they in the All-Star break? They are in the All-Star break, yes. If only we had a person that covered the Blue Jackets. Ol- the-
0: if only. Yeah. We're working on it. We're trying. We're working on
1: it. I, I just don't know enough to talk. Uh,
0: no, we try to stick to things we know.
1: I, I just don't know enough about it. I, I share
0: mean. his uh, thing. You know, like I'm in the gym. Nyet.
1: Nyet. <laughs> Dah. Ah, thank you there, <laughs> <laughs> there we had a guest Bob Bobrovsky.
0: i'm in the gym every morning and yes you are have uh first take on and they'll have speak for yourself i'm trying to hit all networks because they all do it mm-hmm. um get up get up and some of the topics are just i mean i know you got you got to make the black go away you got to A half hour, an hour, three hours to fill. Yeah. And there just aren't enough compelling topics every day that people really care about. And so some of the topics are just like, really? Like, you're going to spend 20 minutes arguing about that? Yes, we are. And isn't it miraculous that? They always, one of them's always super passionate about one side of the argument, and one of them's always just super passionate about the other side. Amazing how that works out, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing how that works out. Yeah, so we're not, we don't want to do that. We don't do that stuff. That's the beauty of this format, is we don't have to do that stuff. All right, so uh, that's our I review I just know
1: for they have 62 points. Felino scored a game winning goal, not against Winnipeg, uh, the game before that. They're in the All Star break. Um, They're in a very tough, conference, 62 points would be leading down in the West somewhere wow. in one of the conferences. Just pull that and out
0: of the back of your mind. That's really important. Well, I,
1: I, I try to follow them because I, you know, but I, I just can't say, you know, they need to move the puck better on the power play. I just don't know. I don't know anything about, I'm I'm not able to speak about it. I'm glad they're winning. I hope they win. I think it's great for the city that it they It is win. great for the city. If and know. I hope Felino continues to be the best player that's ever played game of hockey your neighbor nick
0: felino yes thank you <laughs> thank you mr google for all those numbers there's spiels no google just, spiel's no just google. regurgitated on the no. uh, columbus blue Jackets. i follow him. okay another I just don't know him review go to itunes and review as please matt did his headline one of my favorites i used to listen to hools on espn cleveland and enjoyed his show but the spielman hoolie podcast is better good to hear both of you so open about your relationship with Christ, I'm a big fan. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate okay, that good. very much. Appreciate All right. it. So the other day I said that um, I wanted to think about something before I brought it to the table. And I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. Um, yes. Uh, this, trend, this, this is kind of the confluence of a couple of events. Number one, you know I've talked to a lot of you uh, on this podcast about how I'm really excited about an endeavor I'm engaged with with some people who are uh, outstanding in the leadership realm. Uh, We are designing a uh, program to bring proven leadership tools that have helped many, many companies become profitable um, to apply those to the sports realm, to incorporate character development into young people, to help coaches deal with all the issues that they have, parental issues, player-to-player relationships, coach-to-assistant relationships, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. Then I... Happened upon a story the other day online uh, written by an athlete entitled The Coach That Killed My Passion. And it really struck me because um, we've lived that in our family. Uh, My daughter used to play a sport she no longer plays um, because, not because of X's and O's, not because of playing time. She was getting a ton of playing time and she was actually, you know, doing very well in the sport statistically. But the. The passion for the sport evaporated, and it was heartbreaking because she and her friends had such an awesome experience for three years. They got into a different level. They got different coaches, which it just went south from there. It's been heartbreaking to experience, and I miss it. As much as you and I joke about the (laughs) agony of watching our kids play sports, I so miss watching my daughter play this sport, and I so miss the camaraderie with the other parents and the closeness we had as a parental group around these girls. And that's what a coach... A coach should foster uh, love of the game in their players, character development. And I believe strongly that if you do those things, the winning will follow. I really do. Even if the winning doesn't follow, I think it'll end up being a great experience for everyone. Can I ask a question that
1: might... like? I don't want to argue with with you. What if however this coach or coach may be coaching It
0: wasn't just one coach. No, it I'm was just, through it was through several through, levels. Okay, of, through the system. Okay.
1: Yeah. But what if other players are getting what you're looking for and they're getting
0: Then you have to look inside and go, why am I not? Or yeah. am I selfish? Am I this? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Yeah. In this instance that I'm talking about, no one's getting it. In fact, there's one girl who's just played. I want to be careful because I'm trying not to. No, identify just yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Just yeah.
0: This one girl was much better than my daughter. Was extremely gifted because she played this particular sport, and like she was like you with football. Mm-hmm. From the minute she could identify what sport it was,
1: her thing. one all in, yeah,
0: devoted herself to it. Now. Is ready to give it up because of the cultural issues. And I just, I hate that because my wife played sports in college. You, I hear you talk about Frank and some of the guys you played with and the closeness you have. I had a great experience in high school and cross country winning state championships. All of famer. Yeah, thanks.
1: It's West Liberty Salem. It's led by Butch.
0: The relationships with teammates that you cherish over time. You know, you can go back and do the, hey, what about the night we did this and that, but it's the relationships. So I ache for people who don't enjoy their experience because they're robbed of those relationships that over time would be the really treasured aspect of playing. The other thing about sports that I believe, particularly in the uh, high school level, is the kids who are really gifted, the coaches aren't coaching just for to develop those kids. Um, you have a, a, kid, a kid in high school who's, let's say, not a good enough player to start, not a good enough player to even play. They're on the end of the bench. Maybe mm-hmm. they're the maybe they're the awkward kid. Um, sports ingrains a support system for that kid to gain self esteem. Not because they're scoring a ton of points, scoring a ton of goals, making a ton of tackles. It affords a support system for the athlete or for the, for the person, even though they're not a good player, because their teammates have their back in the hallway when somebody wants to make fun of them. Their teammates go sit with them in the cafeteria because uh, while the kid may not have any friends, they have people who have their back on their team. That's why we... That's what we should strive to make sure we're getting done as coaches is to build that sense, build a true team. Not just because you wear the same uniform, but because you support each other and love each other. Okay. So we got the story I read about the coach that killed my passion. We got my leadership desire to apply these proven leadership tools to sports. And again, if you're a coach, if you're a supervisor of youth Sports League, reach out to me on email, podcast at gmail.com. We've had a couple people do it. I want to read an email from a couple guys in a minute who've done that. Then it all came together when my daughter made her first college visit on Monday. And my daughter's a good soccer player. She's a good soccer player. I don't know how good she is because...
1: Division One, Division Two. I don't know... Chance she's to get a scholarship. Not, she's
0: not a division. I don't think she's a Division one athlete because, first of all, she doesn't want to play Division one. Okay. She wants to go to a Christian college, okay? okay? There's only one real Christian college. It's Liberty University in the D1 realm, and it's too far. It's too big. She doesn't want to go there. She mm-hmm. was looking for a smaller school. So she's probably NAIA or uh, D3 or D2. Okay. So she goes to a college, and she meets the coach. Now, she'd emailed the coach ahead of time, and the coach – set-aside time, and I'm appreciative that the coach set-aside time. Mm -hmm. The experience of meeting the coach was a disappointment, to say the least, because he started with a 10-minute lecture on what I don't put up with in my program. Well, none of that applied to my daughter. She's just not that kind of kid, (laughs) okay? My daughter doesn't have... um, some of the struggles that young women have. My daughter is, um, she's exceptional in her spirituality. I'll say that, okay? Yeah. Uh, and we're extremely blessed and grateful for that. Okay, so it was just a disappointment, and I and what really bugged me was he, he hadn't watched her highlight tape, uh, which I thought was rude given the fact that this was about a eight-hour round trip for my wife and uh, my daughter to mm-hmm. go. The highlight tape would have taken him you know, five minutes to watch. Um, what really bothered me genuinely was that this is a coach who has access to and influence over young women at a formative time in their life, spiritually and many other ways, socially. And I f- it made me question whether he understands what a privilege it is to have that position. And so it just reinforced in my mind how important it is for me to get involved in this leadership endeavor and to apply it to help coaches do it right and to help coaches never lose that passion and that realization that I'm very fortunate. I have influence over young people.
1: So that's it's a responsibility.
0: Yeah. That's where I'm at with it.
1: Okay. Um, Couple things on that because I do have experience with that. Um, I, I look at, at the coach's responsibility. One, growing up with a coach, first of all, it d- d- depends on coaches' need to understand a responsibility that they have with the type of players that they're coaching. My father coached in an inner city school, uh, my dad was uh, a lot of times the only father figure that a lot of his players had. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there were guys that we would bring over to our Christmas. One guy in particular we had to go pick up at the downtown YMCA. He lived in a room in the YMCA. He comes to our house on Christmas. We have him for Christmas Eve. Um, We take him back. Uh, The next thing we know, we wake up Christmas morning. All our Christmas gifts are gone. Apparently there was a ring That he was leading that stole Christmas. Wow. And got it back. Uh, But he never gave up on the kid. There were guys that we needed our house painted. And it was a small bungalow. You know what a bungalow is, Bruce? Because a lot of listeners don't know what a bungalow is. I don't. Rick and I grew up in a bungalow house uh, for the first 13 years of Rick's life and the first 10 of mine. A bungalow is, is you have a kitchen, a living room, a basement with a rug in it, uh, two bedrooms, and an upstairs that was like an attic-slash-recognized bedroom. So we made it a three-bedroom. Okay. And we didn't have, my you know, you grew up with humble means. But my dad would always find money for these guys to paint a part of the house. So any players that would need money, mm-hmm. and he would have them out there scraping in painting or whatever. So he identified whatever their needs were, not only as. Now, on the field, he was as hard as anybody, dude. I mean, you think of a 70s football coach. That's what he was. But they all respected him Mm -hmm. because they knew that he cared. So I think the responsibility of getting what the most uh, out of your player as a person and as a player Is you show that you really care about them, what they're doing in the classroom, what they're doing uh, socially, and that you're completely aware of them and that you invest in them. If you personally invest in them uh, beyond the sport, then I do think uh, you you can have that natural leadership thing that you're preaching and trying to take into schools. I think that can come a lot easier for these coaches to be able to be the influence that they need to be. Uh, that's been my experience. Uh, I think with watching young coaches now, uh, my daughter's boyfriend's a middle school coach. Uh, I watch him coach, and he invests in these kids. He invests in their schools. He talks to their parents. Awesome. He says, you know, this is what I think now. You know, you also need parents' cooperation. Sometimes that's not available in certain areas in certain situations. Not everybody has the good fortune of living where you do or living where I do. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's playing by the same sets of rules. So that's why I think, and from my dad's experience and my experience growing up in an inner city program and watching this from a very young age the amount of investment into that person beyond the player and into the person is a big uh, uh, advantage as far as maybe affecting that person in a positive way beyond the court, beyond the field, beyond whatever. So that would be one thing. I don't know if it's in your leadership seminar or skills that you're are trying to um, influence people and input with the coaches. But I would add investment into the person as a person. And if you do that, you're going to get the respect of the player. And as a coach, I advise coaches this all the time. And I I think it applies to a lot. And you've heard me say it in speeches and you've heard me apply it to my own life. What you give will grow and what you keep you lose so if you give your time your effort your energy your attention to your players that will grow and spread and prosper but if you keep all of that stuff or only reserve it for a certain few it will dry and die amongst the other players so i think it's great advice i think what you're doing is spectacular and all i also understand that you, from a coach's point of view, just watching uh, and living an experience and living with one at that level, that you're going to lose kids. You just are. Yeah. The percentages tell you that you're not going to have an impact on somebody else. And there might be uh, outside influences that prevent you uh, from ever having an impact that you'll never know. I mean, I watched it this year with my, my daughter's boyfriend and certain kids that I know that if they would have stayed part of the team or if they could have got to practice or if they could have been uh, a part of, of feeling like there's something special, uh, it would have helped them. Yeah. But sometimes life circumstances or situations that a coach can't control, he can't control. And, but you keep going and get the next one. Yep. It, it's really get the next one, and hopefully you can influence the next one in a positive, spiritual, mental, physical way
0: and I want to say, I know a lot of coaches do it great. And, um, I don't mean I'm not sitting here banging on coaches and I'm not sitting here saying, you know, that they're all, or a majority of them are doing it wrong. I'm just saying I'm, I have, have, I have had my life changed by these leadership concepts and how I think, uh, how I manage anger, uh, how I manage relationships. Um, again, these have been proven to turn companies around and turn them around quickly, change cultures, Uh, We can give you the tools to manage like internal team gossip, parental relationships, all kinds of things. And, um, you know, and I've been I feel like God's prepared me with the experiences and exposure I've had to great coaches, um, NCAA basketball over the years, NCAA football, covering bowl games, lots of professional sports that I think, you know, I can I can tailor them to this and, uh, you know, keep people's attention and help them understand. So. Uh, that's what we're trying to do. and um, Can I add one more thing real yeah, quick? Please. Uh,
1: <clears throat> on, um I advise people to take my approach as I took as a player and be very honest with yourself. What are the things that you do really well? And don't be afraid to say what are the things that you do really well. What are the things that you stink or not very good at? <laughs> and don't be afraid to say that and then continue to work on the things that you do very well but continue to identify and work on the things you you do poorly and be honest with yourself i am very honest with myself as an assessment as a football player and we just discussed this because of the all century hall of fame thing i'm not a pro football hall of famer i wasn't good enough i was not good enough to be a hall of famer in in the pro football hall of fame College football, damn right, I'm a hall of famer. Yep. Pro football, not even close. I mean, close, but not well, even close. But yeah. not, not close, yeah. but not even close. So yeah, I got you. So I, that's another way to do it, and, and identify and recognize what you do well. Be honest with yourself, and and then also say, I need to get better here. This is what I need to do, and don't think you have all the answers. I, I remember um, talking with Coach Tressel. And actually, you and I might have been interviewing him on the show back in the day. And he said something that has stuck with me all these years. Uh, And I don't even know how it came up, but he said, if I ever stop learning and I ever stop thinking or ever start thinking that I have all the answers, that's the day that I'm done. And there was a coach that, you know, I believe that this was after they won the national championship. And that stuck with me. And here's a guy that's won multiple national championships at different levels. Yeah, five. And he's never stopped learning or never thinking that he has all the answers. And no matter what kind of success, you may or may not have.
0: Uh, email the show, podcast at gmail.com. Jim emails the show. He says, I've listened to uh, both of you for years. Uh, he says, his daughter has been uh, coached by my wife. Um says, I love how your wife Best coaches. Best golfer in the family. <laughs> I love how your wife coaches. Uh, where He said, uh, anyway, on and on and on. He says, I would love to talk to you about leadership. This, this gentleman, Jim, is a coach. Mm-hmm. He says, every year I take two or three Friday practices to have team bonding and leadership. I love these practices. Sometimes we do not touch a ball for 15 minutes. Most of the time is working on leadership and team bonding, something that is missing from junior high sports. I told my AD and my varsity coach in my interview that my job is to get 12 girls ready for the JV program, not just the top two or three. He says, I would like uh, to continue this conversation. Feel free to contact me. So there you go. I love that. I love that you're invested in the entire roster, that that you're invested in the total person. And again, if you're a coach, A, thank you so much for volunteering your time. Because Mm -hmm. I know you might get paid a little bit, but you're volunteering your time. You do it because you love it you love it, you want to do it well. I just want to help you do it well. I want to offer you assistance. I want to make a difference with the time that I have left to make a difference. Um, Just transition into the spiritual uh, faith part of the podcast. Um, Yesterday morning, I was sitting and I was thinking about where I am in my life and how I'm kind of hopefully veering into doing this leadership character development thing on a full-time basis. Um, and I thought, boy, I wished I'd have done this 20 years ago. I wished, mainly, honestly, what I thought was, I wish I'd have gotten my spiritual act together a long time ago. Knucklehead, why'd it take you so long? You had every advantage. You had praying parents. You were raised in a Christian home. Why'd it take you so long? And I thought about all these times that uh, God's been patient with me and I pictured God leading me along through my life, and I pictured myself as a mule not going along where he wanted me to go, okay. and I pictured visually like a mule with my head down and my rear end up in the air, pulling hard against him as he pulled me where he wanted me to go and uh Jonah, yeah. And then I thought, what good came from that? I've had spiritual hot seasons where I've been dialed in. Yep. And I've had spiritual seasons where I drifted. Honestly, because things were good in my life. I had a good paying job. My relationships were good. When things are good.
1: Golfing a lot.
0: (laughs) When things were good, (laughs) I wasn't really that good of a Christian. Mm -hmm. When things are bad, help. I need help. And I thought about, how would God look at that? You know, he must get tired of you drifting. And um, I thought, well, you can't do anything about what's behind you. And I reflected on that Philippians 3 scripture where Paul goes, I forget what's behind. Yeah. I press on toward the goal.
1: Hard to forget.
0: I think about guys in the Bible who made a huge difference. Moses, Paul, David, Jacob.
1: Thank gosh they forget about what's behind them.
0: They all had really big screw-ups. Uh, Paul killed Christians, persecuted them.
1: about my boy David? Yeah.
0: <laughs> David I mean. committed adultery and mur- had the husband of the woman he got pregnant murdered. <laughs> I mean, come on. And he's, how's he listed in the Bible? A man after God's own heart. Yeah. A guy who did that. We would, I would, write off somebody today who did that. Ah, I can't use them.
1: Yeah, you would. You're absolutely right.
0: Paul ended up writing 14 of the 66 books in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So when I thought about that, I thought, okay, God can use you, brother. Yeah. God can use you. And I thought, yeah, you pulled against him all those years. You pulled and you pulled and you pulled and you pulled. What's What good can come from that? Well, when you resist, what do we talk about in sports? Resistance training. When you push against something, guess what? Your muscles get stronger. Mm-hmm. So I pulled against God for a long time. And what I'm choosing to focus on is that's made my neck really strong. And now God can put a heavier weight on my shoulders yeah. because I got a strong neck because I've been a spiritual knucklehead yeah. for a long, long time.
1: Um, yeah, it's a futile fight, by the way. If God's if you're after God and you're knocking, you know, he's going to answer, yep. but he's going to keep coming after you. Yep. The other thing people have to understand, I'm a big believer in spiritual warfare. So I, I think Satan doesn't look for the guys he already has. So what's his, his victories come on going after people that have a, a strong faith and a strong belief. And so those are the targets and you're easy targets. But I think you've also, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, you you talk about David, right? and what David did, and the awful, awful thing that David did, yet still God did not let him go. And I want to encourage listeners that we all have things in our past that we regret, and or our actions, behaviors, that may be as shameful. That doesn't mean God, God forgets too. How many times does he say he's going to forgive? 70 times 7, which is another way of saying an infinite number of times that he's going to forgive you if you're truly contrite and confess. And there's a, you know... A um, desire to change. Yeah, you have to... You know, what, however you practice confession, you have to, it says in the Bible, if we confess our sins, we truly are forgiven. He's faithful and just to That's forgive it, us yeah. and
0: cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
1: It's, it's, it's an accountability factor. And so don't get, in other words, don't get discouraged and... You know, you're going to be used, and you're right, though, Bruce, because I know you from 15 years ago. I mean, you had a – I'm just being honest with you. Your forgiveness thing took a while.
0: I'm still working on it.
1: Yeah, it's still – we all are, but, I mean, you know, you you are not the hard ass, (laughs) excuse me, that you wore 10 years ago, or even, you know, you're not. Yeah, you're just not. I'm sorry, you're a soft guy I hope, now. I you're hope a, not,
0: because I didn't like, like that. I I don't like that guy. No,
1: nobody does. No, it's hard. It because it it what it does is is uh, eat you up. So I gotta I'm gotta get out of here. But I do want to share this as approaches the weekend. Yeah, for a lot of our listeners, First Corinthians ten thirteen. And as you approach the weekend, and if you have choices or you're, or you're put in situations, understand this. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but will, with the temptation, also make the way of an escape, that you may be able to endure it, First uh, Corinthians 10:13. I mean just hold just get those reminders of God or whose you are around you, whether it's a cross around your neck, uh, for me, i got a cross around my neck, a rosary in the car. i got St. Uh, Christopher when I travel. I, I've got uh, uh, a cross in every other room in the house. I say a prayer before I go out. I re- know who I am, who I represent, and it will help you make decisions so no temptation will overcome you. And so I'm just encouraging you, Don't let any temptations get you this weekend, one day at a time. It's one of the great
0: promises uh, that believers in Christ and those who have adopted him um, – can count on because when you do that uh, you have the holy spirit the yeah. power that raised him from the dead you have the holy spirit inside of you and i know all those outward signs are reminders to and you. and hold
1: his thought captive yeah. to christ which is another bible verse
0: the power is not in the cross around your neck the no. power is in the truth of the cross in your that heart. the
1: cross around my neck is to look to the power that is yeah. there yeah the Holy spirit there you go friday podcast in the books Patronize our friend
0: Trevor Stover at Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway. Get your steaks, get your chops, get your chicken, get your pork, and we will talk to you again on Monday.